the Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wasteland. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. And here we are in our places. Doing what you should be doing at this hour, joining with us, listening as we work our way through the Bible, through the entire book of books. Thanks for joining us tonight. We are going to continue our way through this incredibly important book called Romans. It's in the New Testament. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul to the believers in Rome. Paul is writing to a people he has never met. He has never gone to them personally and preached to them his perspective and his understanding of the scriptures from the old covenant and relating that to the broader plan of God that is embodied in the Messiah. God was always interested in the whole world. It was never simply about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their genetic descendants. God doesn't function on the basis of DNA. There are two things happening. There is an earthly covenant that took place. God worked with this people, but it was an earthly covenant. If you will lend yourself to my use of you as a people, obey me and follow me, then I'll bless you and preserve you. That earthly covenant was done away with. They broke that covenant early on, and it's even announced in the Scriptures that that earthly covenant is done away with. The spiritual covenant that God enacted through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob into their offspring was embodied in the Messiah Jesus, and that covenant is an eternal covenant. It is a covenant of faith. Israel is the people of God, and Jerusalem and the land of Israel is a picture of our future habitation, heaven itself, where God's people will dwell with him forever. Now, that is the message of the book of Romans. Paul is making that clear to us as we go through. Now, let's go to Proverbs 18 tonight for our wisdom and worship segment here on The Bible Life. Proverbs 18, 1 through 12. A recluse is self-indulgent snarling at every sound principle of conduct. 
fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. When the wicked arrive, contempt, shame, and disgrace are sure to follow. A person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. It is wrong for a judge to favor the guilty or condemn the innocent. Fools get into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. The mouths of fools are their ruin. Their lips get them into trouble. What dainty morsels rumors are, but they sink deep into one's heart. A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. The rich think of their wealth as an impregnable defense. They imagine it as a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. End of reading Proverbs 18, 1 through 12. There is hope for every man, a solid place where we can stand in this dry and weary land. There is hope for every man. And you are listening to The Bible Live. Uh, My name is Sophie Dollar. We just heard some contrast between the foolish and the wise, the lazy and the industrious, the proud and the humble, the just and the wicked. That's one of the patterns of the book of Proverbs. Well, back now to the book of Romans. Picking up in chapter 8, talking about the basics of theology, sin and redemption and original sin, the sin nature. It is telling us how the spiritual world works, how we fit, and the beauty of God's salvation provision for our lives. That's powerful. Also, we are talking about, in the sense of history, how God's plan rolled out Israel and Abraham and the heritage of faith. So let's listen tonight to the Bible life. Romans 8.35 through 12.8 Romans 8 Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or cold or in danger or threatened with death? Even the scriptures say, For your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from His love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 9 In the presence of Christ, I speak with utter truthfulness. I do not lie, and my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm that what I am saying is true. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed cut off from Christ, if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's special children. God revealed His glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave His law to them. They have the privilege of worshiping Him and receiving His wonderful promises. Their ancestors were great people of God, and Christ Himself was a Jew, as far as His human nature is concerned. And He is God who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. 
Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to the Jews? No, for not everyone born into a Jewish family is truly a Jew. Just the fact that they are descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. It is the children of the promise who are considered to be Abraham's children. For God had promised, next year I will return and Sarah will have a son. This son was our ancestor Isaac. When he grew up, he married Rebekah, who gave birth to twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message proves that God chooses according to his own plan, not according to our good or bad works. She was told, the descendants of your older son will serve the descendants of your younger son. In the words of the scriptures, I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. What can we say? Was God being unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So receiving God's promise is not up to us. We can't get it by choosing it or working hard for it. God will show mercy to anyone he chooses. For the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you, and so that my fame might spread throughout the earth. So you see, God shows mercy to some just because he wants to, and he chooses to make some people refuse to listen. Well then, you might say, why does God blame people for not listening? Haven't they simply done what he made them do? No, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to criticize God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who made it, Why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have the right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? God has every right to exercise his judgment and his power, but he also has the right to be very patient with those who are the objects of his judgment and are fit only for destruction. He also has the right to pour out the riches of his glory upon those he prepared to be the objects of his mercy, even upon us whom he selected both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who were not my people, I will now call my people, and I will love those whom I did not love before. And once they were told, you are not my people, but now he will say, you are children of the living God. Concerning Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out, though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand on the seashore, only a small number will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth quickly and with finality. And, Isaiah said in another place, If the Lord Almighty had not spared a few of us, we would have been wiped out as completely as Sodom and Gomorrah. Well then, what shall we say about these things? Just this, the Gentiles have been made right with God by faith, even though they were not seeking him. But the Jews, who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law and being good, instead of by depending on faith. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who believes in him will not be disappointed. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
Romans 10. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is that the Jewish people might be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. Instead, they are clinging to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. They won't go along with God's way, for Christ has accomplished the whole purpose of the law. All who believe in Him are made right with God. For Moses wrote that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But the way of getting right with God through faith says, you don't need to go to heaven to find Christ and bring Him down to help you. And it says, you don't need to go to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. Salvation that comes from trusting Christ, which is the message we preach, is already within easy reach. In fact, the scriptures say the message is close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who believes in him will not be disappointed. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They all have the same Lord, who generously gives his riches to all who ask for them. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is what the scriptures mean when they say, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? Yet faith comes from listening to this message of good news, the good news about Christ. But what about the Jews? Have they actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message of God's creation has gone out to everyone and its words to all the world. But did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God had said, I will rouse your jealousy by blessing other nations. I will make you angry by blessing the foolish Gentiles. And later, Isaiah spoke boldly for God. I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they kept disobeying me and arguing with me. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Romans 11. I ask then, has God rejected his people, the Jews? Of course not. Remember that I myself am a Jew, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people, whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you remember what the scriptures say about this? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I alone am left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, You are not the only one left. I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. It is the same today, for not all the Jews have turned away from God. A few are being saved as a result of God's kindness in choosing them. And if they are saved by God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's wonderful kindness would not be what it really is. 
free and undeserved. So this is the situation. Most of the Jews have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the rest were made unresponsive. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this very day he has shut their eyes so they do not see, and closed their ears so they do not hear. David spoke of this same thing when he said, Let their bountiful table become a snare, a trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see, and let their backs grow weaker and weaker. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. His purpose was to make His salvation available to the Gentiles, and then the Jews would be jealous and want it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the Jews turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when the Jews finally accept it. I am saying all of this especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I lay great stress on this, for I want to find a way to make the Jews want what you Gentiles have, and in that way I might save some of them. For since the Jews' rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, how much more wonderful their acceptance will be. It will be life for those who were dead. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their children will also be holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the Jews, have been broken off. And you Gentiles, who were branches from a wild olive tree, were grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in God's rich nourishment of this special olive tree. But you must be careful not to brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. Remember, you are just a branch, not the root. Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches, the Jews, were broken off because they didn't believe God, and you are there because you do believe. Don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the branches He put there in the first place, He won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe to those who disobeyed, but kind to you as you continue to trust in His kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. And if the Jews turn from their unbelief, God will graft them back into the tree again. He has the power to do it. For if God was willing to take you, who were by nature branches from a wild olive tree, and graft you into his own good tree, a very unusual thing to do, he will be far more eager to graft the Jews back into the tree where they belong. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud and start bragging. Some of the Jews have hard hearts, but this will last only until the complete number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. Do you remember what the prophet said about this? A deliverer will come from Jerusalem, and he will turn Israel from all ungodliness. And then I will keep my covenant with them and take away their sins. Many of the Jews are now enemies of the good news. But this has been to your benefit, for God has given his gifts to you Gentiles. Yet the Jews are still his chosen people because of his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts 
and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the Jews refused his mercy, God was merciful to you instead. And now, in the same way, the Jews are the rebels, and God's mercy has come to you. But someday they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned all people in their own disobedience, so he could have mercy on everyone. Oh, what a wonderful God we have! How great are his riches and wisdom and knowledge! How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his methods! For who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who knows enough to be his counselor? And who could ever give him so much that he would have to pay it back? For everything comes from him. Everything exists by his power and is intended for his glory. To him be glory evermore. Amen. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. As God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of one body, and each of us has a different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. End of reading, Romans 8.35 through 12.8. listening to the Bible. God's Word is here for you to hear. Just as there are physical laws that govern our universe that we live and walk in every day, there are spiritual laws that are at work in our world. And the book of Romans is laying them out for you as clearly as it can be. The law of God's love. God loves you. He desires the very best for you personally, you individually. Now, I know it sounds like a cliche, and it often gets reduced to a bumper sticker or a lapel button, but the truth is that God, the creator of everything that exists, created you. He knows you. He knows every strand of your DNA, your ancestry, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Maybe you're like me. I don't even know who my mother and father were. They abandoned at birth, passed around to 16 families and so on, but God knew me from the beginning. He knows me and cares about me, and he cares about you, whatever your background might be. 
But there is a real problem. It's selfishness and sin, our rebellion against God. We're born into it. It's an addiction. It's an innate, inherent addiction that we have to selfishness and sin. That's what original sin and the sin nature is all about. We have an irresistible, irrevocable tendency to selfishness and to sin. No one has to teach us to do it. We all do it. Maybe you even deny the standard. Ten Commandments aren't binding on me. I don't believe them. Then put your own standard of righteousness. What do you consider to be good and wrong? Whatever it is you establish, I guarantee you, you even break your own standard. Sin is a principle that cannot be resisted. We are sinful human beings. Now, some people try to deny the sin, just say, well, there is no standard. Everything is relative. Everything is whatever we want it to be. That in itself is a picture of rebellion as well. But God doesn't leave us there. He loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. God carried out a work of redemption in time and space, in history. His own son came, lived a life of total sacrifice and obedience and humility before the Father and a servant attitude toward his fellow man, a perfect life, a sinless life. Then he who knew no sin became sin for us. He took upon himself the consequences of our sin, our penalty. And that is the plan of redemption. It's not a plan that appeals to being good enough, so you can't earn your way. It isn't a plan that appeals to knowledge, so you can't be just smart enough. It goes to the will. Do you have a desire to know God and to walk with Him and love Him and experience Him? If you do, you have the ability to choose to trust in God's love and grace and mercy, receive by faith His forgiveness expressed to you in the Messiah Jesus, and begin to walk with God. The book of Romans, well, the entire Bible, for that matter, is a very serious, very profound book of theology, learning about God and His ways, learning about the spiritual realm. And it is just beautiful what we've read in the book of Romans. But it also comes around to practicalities, just like the Proverbs there, these practical nuggets that are wise things to do, actions that we should take, attitudes that we should have because... The gospel is true. Paul does the same thing in chapter 12. Now we move to the practicality. He's laid a beautiful case and made a beautiful picture of God's plan. But now he says, and so the logical conclusion is trust God. Give yourself to God. Receive by faith the salvation that is offered to us through Jesus the Messiah. See you next time. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.